Okay, so we are on Samak Gimel Amad Bey, 63b, and we're at the bottom. We'll start this last piece over here. Uh, five lines from the bottom. The famous daughter-in-law of Rabbi Zvid. Okay, so Imrida, she rebelled against her husband. She had it with him. Uh, so, uh, and uh, she eventually she sued for divorce, but on the way out, Tfisa Chadshiroi. She uh, took with her the silk. In those days, garments were worth a fortune, especially the silk. And she, uh, she took with her uh, the silks from the estate. And the question is, is she entitled to it? She had not acted properly, apparently, with the divorce, and they had penalized her, took away her suva rights. The question is, is she entitled to keep these garments? Now, typically, these garments were brought in by the bride's side. Uh, but it, we learned before that it didn't matter that if a woman was rebelling, she could even be penalized with the things that she brought into the marriage. Uh, and so that was the question, could she take it or not? So the Beisdin was judging the divorce case. Yasiv a Maymar, there could be there were other issues they were discussing as well. There was a Maymar, Umar Zutra, Ravashi. These are big, heavy hit. Ravashi wrote the Gemara. I mean, so you're, this is a Maymar, Marzutra Ravashi, but Yasser Rav Gamda, and Rav Gamda was there too, the Komar. So their initial finding was, Marda, if a woman rebelled uh, against the husband and, uh, you know, broke it up in an improper way, uh, so Hifsida Blu'uz Kayamin, she even loses her clothing that's still around, her fancy clothes that she brought into the marriage, she's not entitled uh, to them. So Rav Gamda got very upset when he heard this. He was the, the other rabbi who was there. And he said, So there's two versions of this story. Like every story, there's more than one version. Uh, and they have opposite conclusions. So the first one was that since this was Rabbi Zvid, and you know there were two sides, and that naturally you'd want to help the rabbi's side. So therefore, he said to them, So you're helping out Rizvid, and, uh, and son to keep the, uh, the silk garments instead of the daughter-in-law, is that because you're trying to flatter him? Uh, boy. That, that question whether or not when uh, husband and wife divorce and whether she's entitled and, and she rebelled against him and they penalized her, whether they will penalize the clothing that's brought into the marriage, that was boy that wasn't resolved. So how dare you act as if that question was resolved? Uh, you're just trying to please Rabbi Zved. That was one version of the story. Ikidi Yamri. Uh, now we see some people have the rest of the story. Totally different version. They pask in the opposite. When a woman is guilty of rebellion, she may lose her ksuva. That's what he promises her. But she doesn't lose blows kayaman. She doesn't lose any of that fancy clothing that's still around. So Amrul Rav Gamda, Rav Gamda said, Mishum de Rivzvid Gavrabahu. He says the reason that you uh, were willing to take her side was that you knew Rizvid was a Gavarabah. He was a tzaddik. Rashi, let's see the Rashi, you're fascinating Rashi. Um, I once had a case like this. I felt Sometimes you feel like the person assumes that because uh, 
oh, you're a rabbi and this and that, you have to be nice, they could take advantage of you. And uh, sometimes that's not the right feeling. That, uh, let's see Rashi. He's not going to complain because he's so humble. I mean, uh, it, 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 there's space for humility, but that doesn't mean you have to let people walk over you, right? But they, he said, you're, you're taking that away from him and giving uh, it over to the woman's side. That's only because Rev Zvid is such a great person, you know that he's not going to stick up for himself. And Rev Kahana said, that, that hasn't been resolved that she's allowed to do that. So, again, there are two versions. It's really interesting of the two versions. Either one version was they were trying to please Rizvid, and the other version was they weren't afraid to go against him because he was such a tzaddik, he would, they knew he'd give him a nice smile and be very happy with, you know, and, and uh, go along with whatever they did. Those were the two versions. So well, you have to say it was more subtle than that. You have to say they didn't even realize it, that they were trying to please him, and so they said that, and so he said to them that that's coming from the wrong place. Otherwise, you wouldn't have... Uh, we don't always recognize our own prejudices. We don't recognize when we're pushing for one side or another. And the, the bystander rabbi was saying, I don't believe you would have come to that conclusion if it had not been such a great rabbi whose, whose uh, daughter-in-law rebelled and was trying to take away from his son. That was what he was saying. So there is a way to learn it like that. Okay. So at the end of the day, uh, we didn't resolve the original question. We just said there's two sides to this story. But the question is, this, the idea that we penalize a woman who rebels, will we even take away her expensive clothing that's brought into the marriage? So, um, Hashda, now, three lines from the top, to low itmar. The way of a knot, yeah? Correct. I didn't really explain what the two sides were. Um, I, my assumption is this. Again, I, it's always a dangerous assumption, but it's one thing to take away. He, normally, he has to pay. It's very expensive to divorce a wife. He, 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 she relied on him, and she gave him herself, and therefore, if they get divorced or he dies, he has to commit to support her and give her a significant amount, but we're talking about a case where she was a rebellious wife. In some cases, it was that they were just engaged and she refused to have to marry him, or she was a Shomeris Yavim, and she refused to let him in the door for Yibam, or she said she's not going to the mikveh anymore when she was Anita. And in all the, so in those cases where the penalty kicks in, and it's not that she said she wants to divorce, she just wants to cause him pain. And we, we don't really like those, you know, where one side wants to cause the other side pain. So uh, we give her a penalty, we start penalizing her, the clock starts ticking on her, the amount that he would have to commit to her. But the, and the, in other words, basically we take away her ksuva. So our question is, what about these other well, um, items that are written in the ksuva? When she gets married and she normally brings in valuable down or valuable silk, that's written in the ksuva, or does she lose those or not? Those are the two the questions. Do we say, well, listen, once, once we're giving her a fine, it's going to keep on going until she has nothing? Or no, the fine is only connected to uh, what the husband would have paid to her, but not on her own things. We don't actually go that far on the fine. That, those are the questions. How far do we go with the fine? Okay. So uh, what do we do with the, in the end, though? Uh, we didn't resolve this. 
We don't have a tradition that this was resolved. So what do you do? So one of the famous rules, Tafsa, if she has it in the hand, lo mafkinimina, we can't take it away. Lo Tafsa, if she doesn't have it, lo yavina, we don't give it to her. That's a, that's a common rule. We see who, whoever has it, let it stay with them. Um, they, who, who has possession? You know, it's the... It's nine-tenths, okay. Now, another halacha. Umashinale tracer yarke shaita agita. We, uh, in general, we delay uh, in these cases where they don't want to get divorced, but they're trying to paint each other, that we, uh, we assume that their marriage may still be savable. And so we delay 12 months uh, the giving of the get. Ubahana tracer yarke shaita during these 12 months, Leslie Mizonu Mibal, she's, uh, he, he, she's not being supported by him. She's the one who actively rebelled, uh, so she's on her own. And uh, the assumption would be she doesn't have to pay her wages to him either, but basically these 12 months are, she's on her own. So uh, this uh, concept of, of where one side is being rebellious and uh, we begin to deduct from their divorce settlement. So uh, how does it work? So he says what we do is the husband goes to Bayston and they write an official writ of rebellion on the person, on the wife. And he says we only do that uh, in the case where she's engaged and she's refusing to finish and get married. In other words, we will do that for the Rusa. But what about if her husband died and uh, the husband's brother wants to do Yibam? And she says, him? Or she says, I didn't get over my widowhood. I can't think about it. So there, there's no such thing as writing that she's rebelling. She never agreed to marry the guy. She, it's, it's the guy that's the brother that wants to fill, fit in his shoes. Well, guess what? The brother ain't him. So uh, that's not called rebellion. Okay, Mesveh has a question. Didn't we learn whether it's only from engagement or that all of these can be rebellious? So I, we just said that the Shomeris Yavam isn't considered rebellious. If she says, I don't want to do Yibam, I'm not opening my door. And we, here we see that she is considered rebellious. So our question is really from Shomeris Yavam, where a person's uh, husband died and the husband's brother wants to do Yibam the fact that she doesn't let, she's not uh, agreeing to it, is that considered rebellious or not? Uh, we have a contradiction. So Lumar says, Lo kasha. we can answer the contradiction. Kan shetavahu, kan shetavahi. In one case, uh, he wants to, uh, um, uh, she, he wants to get married, he wants to do yibum, and she says no. So in that case, um, we, uh, we, we write the, the uh, there it's considered rebellious. Uh, he's willing to move forward and she's not. Kan shetavahi, the other case is the opposite. She tells him, I'm ready, and he's not ready. Uh, what's the difference? If he comes to Beisden and says, I want to get married, and she ain't, she's not moving. So, nizdakunlo, they'll get involved. Tavahi, if she asks, ain't nizdakunlo. We don't get involved. We'll see in a second. Let's just wait uh, for what's the difference. But my what's the case of Shmuel Shetavahi, where she's, she's asking him, get moving, I want to get Yibam already. Uh, but high coast Vinigeris married Ararusa. So if that's true, that we're talking about she's the one making the claim. So 
when it says we write a writ of rebellion against the female, la, uh, um, it should say um, le arusa. It should say for her. It's the other way around. She's asking him. They're engaged, and he's refusing to go to Nisuin. The question is, who's making the claim here? And we said it works equally both ways. But now we're saying the Yivam claim only works when he wants, not when she wants. So if we're talking about his claim, so then we should switch the, uh, the wording. So the Morris says, Lohi, lo kasha, tani la rusa. You could have that version that refers to his claim. So the Morris, the question, uh, what's the reason for if the woman makes the claim, we don't? Uh, penalize him, whereas if he makes the claim, we penalize her. We say that um, she doesn't have a command of Puruvu. So she's telling him to uh, move it already. Um, she's not commanded. So therefore, we don't co- her claim is not such a strong claim. He's obligated to get moving. Uh, a husband who's never had uh, t- two children, a boy and a girl, is obligated to make efforts to uh, to do so. So he comes to Bez and says, you know, I want to get married. And she keeps saying she's not ready. Right? So, um, or she's, she's telling me she's getting me back. So, uh, in those cases, they take his claim. So why don't we say the same thing by a Rusa Nami name? Uh, why don't we say by the woman also, they engage, lo nifkada, the, uh, the woman isn't uh, commanded. Why is it that specifically by Yibam, we uh, will take his claim and not hers? But when it comes to an engaged person, we'll take either claim. Ella, the Morris says, you're right. The woman also has a claim. Even though she's not commanded to have kids, she's got a biological clock that's ticking, so to speak. I'm adding that in. The Gemara doesn't say that. But uh, she wants to be able to have kids, and she doesn't have forever. And what's, uh, what, what's the wording for her? If she's not commanded, why does she want to have kids? Omra uh, I need somebody to help me cross the street and somebody to bury me after I die. Basically, um, uh, uh, women would like to have children for their old age. That was In the old days, they didn't have Social Security. Social Security was, you had kids, they took you in. So it's a reasonable claim. Let's see Rashi. I want to have a son who will hold my hand when I'm old. And I can lean on him. Uh, and the day that I die, I need somebody to bury me. It's a reasonable claim that uh, a person wants to have children. Even if they're not commanded, she'll have that uh, desire. Uh, so then the question is, if, good morning, gentlemen. So the question is, why isn't that true? Again, we're trying to differentiate. We said that a, a person gets engaged and they somehow get cold feet, and, and each, each uh, one side or the other refuses uh, to uh, go on to Nisuin, uh, we'll penalize either side. We'll penalize his side, we'll penalize her side. We'll penalize her side, he needs to have kids, he's commanded. We'll penalize her side, she wants to have kids, because she wants to have someone to support her in old age. But if that's true, why is it when it came to Yibam, we'll only penalize uh, her and not him? Achanami Shemers Yavam let's say the same thing. She's, uh, she didn't have kids with her first husband, and her husband's brother's taking his good time. So we need to rethink this, because we didn't yet explain the difference between him and her. Uh, really, both cases are, uh, he's the one who's, uh, who's saying, I want to get moving. 
of a lokasha kan lichlas kan liyavim. In one case, he's asking, I want to give chalitza. In one case, he's saying, I want to do yibo. And what's the difference? If he says, listen, I want to be done with this. I want to give you chalitza. And she don't want to do the spit. So So we take his case and we say, uh, listen, this, uh, we're going to take away from your ksuva if you're doing this in spite. On the other hand, if he's asking for yibo, ain't niskakin lo. Then we don't we don't uh, we don't push we don't push her. So Maishna Liyavim Delo. What's the difference for Yavim if we say she needs more time? Daminele, ah, he's got a mitzvah of having children. So we say, well, why is that her problem? Zil Nasiv is go take another wife. In those days, they could take another wife. Lichlitz Nami. Well, why don't we say the same thing when he goes to her with chalitza and says, I, uh, give me, uh, let me do the chalitza things. Why don't we say, Zil nasiv what's your rush? You can take another wife. Ella, the re- answer is like this. The Amri, we say, Kivin uh, da it's A person has a difficult time on the Shidduch market. If they know that he has a, a brother's fiancé, so they don't want to get involved. Uh, it's well known that... Uh, People that are in the middle of some nasty divorce, they, they, they really can't go out even though they know the marriage is finished because they know they're still connected to their ex. I, I knew of uh, some situations like that. So today, sometimes these divorces go on a long time. Sometimes even they'll get the religious divorce and they won't get the secular or the secular, not the religious. And there are details that still they're fighting over. It take forever. So uh, they have a very hard time if they want to go out with a woman, because they say, I don't want to get entangled with somebody who's still, who's still connected to somebody. I, he doesn't want to marry her. He wants to get chalitza. But that's a reasonable claim. So they will, take his, they will, uh, they will push her to accept chalitza. They won't give me another wife as long as I'm hooked up with this uh, yavn. So well, why don't we say the same thing for her? Since she's waiting for Chalitza, Loka, yeah, she can't get married. So Gemara said, you're right. We, we keep running into trouble. Uh, they, basically, we, we need to have explain why we'll get involved on his side and not hers. And there's certain, there is an equality here. Like we've said, that either one has a valid claim that the other one is stalling and they need to move on with life. So the Ella means we need a new theory. So you could have fun figuring out what the, why the Gemara thought one of them was the solution, but now the Gemara has, has, has knocked down the second possible solution, and now we're going to try shot number three. <laughs> really, both cases, let's forget about the Yavma and Chalitza answer. Both cases are, he's asking for Yibam. In the first case, he was asking for Yibam when Yibam was the thing to do. In other words, in the early days, they push people to do the great mitzvah of Yibam, just uh, a la Rus, to the story of the... That was, what, that was what was considered the good thing to do. And so therefore, if somebody wants to do Yibam, somebody's willing to take on his brother's shoes, and she's got cold feet a little bit, we'll take his side. Later on, when they decided that wasn't the way to go, they no longer... Uh, uh, that was Mishnah Rona, they no longer would uh, push the Yibam narrative. Uh, as we'll read the words, Ideally, the whole idea is to wear the brother's shoe and to do yibam. And that's a bigger mitzvah. In the early days, 
when they would do mitzvah for the sake of heaven, that we would encourage that. Akshav, today, people are not so holy. If they do yibam, it's because they want the bucks or because they're doing it for looks. Therefore, we say chalitz is a bigger mitzvah. That's the answer the Gemara gives, is that uh, they were written at different times, whether or not we get involved in the yibam claim. And Now, by the way, even after they, di- they discouraged yibam, they didn't initially outlaw it. They just discouraged it. And so that's what it's saying. Um, uh, that during that time where it was discouraged. Uh, there are many things that were discouraged, but they weren't forbidden. E- even like the taking of two wives was often discouraged, but it wasn't, wasn't forbidden uh, right out. Okay, let's go back to the Gemara. So we said there's this penalty, and uh, there was a discussion about what was the coinage. So we said it, it's a tarpik. I want to sound to me like that was like the Polish, the tarpik, or the you know, it's the, but it's the Aramaic. What's the tarpik? So I'm Rishesh. Oh, it's an estira, and how much estira? It's half a zuz. It's a half a zuz a day, not so much money. It's like a ma and a half every day. Again, these are ancient currencies. Now this was the more uh, has an interesting question. Why is it when it came to him, the husband, that we penalize the woman? And guess what? We penalize her for Shabbos too. Every day of the week, that uh, they could have relations on Shabbos. So seven days of the week, she's refusing relations. So if she gets a penalty every day, we give her the penalty for Shabbos. So when we flip it around and we penalize him, um, uh, we don't give her the Shabbos penalty. So, um, the answer is, the Shabbos, ihi, tamifis, kapachis, for her, it's taking it away from her uh, alimony amount. Lo mexikasar Shabbos. It doesn't look like she's making money on Shabbos. There's a different issue. Anytime you pay somebody, you can't pay them separate only for Shabbos uh, because it looks like you're earning money for Shabbos. You're not supposed to earn Shabbos, money for Shabbos. Whereas Ihu, for him, the Sufi Kamosev, he's adding to her Ksuva, Mexikashar Shabbos. It's going to look like she's making money on Shabbos. When you deduct, it doesn't look like you're, you're making money. When you, even though deducting from her is adding to him, we're deducting from the amount she can collect. So we could do that even for Shabbos. When you add, uh, that adds on Shabbos, we're reluctant to do that. But that, was, that answers one problem. Why is it that with, uh, with him, uh, he gets added to even on Shabbos. He, he, we deduct from her even on Shabbos. When it's the other array around, we don't add to her on Shabbos. But there's another question. Why is the amount different? What's the difference in the two amounts? Why is it that we penalize um, her more for taking away the relations than we penalize him? This is a funny answer. He said, go and learn from the street of the business of prostitution. Who's, uh, who prostitutes who? Me, so is me. It's the men that are uh, interested in, in uh, hiring women. Uh, Rashi, me, so me, Aviyama, ish, so isha. Men pay women uh, because, shmamina, sara, maruba. You see that it's more painful for a man. A man uh, misses the relations more than a woman. Man is more 
physically has more need to have relations than a woman. And so therefore, if she's uh, rebelling, taking that away from him, that's a bigger law, that's more difficult for him to manage through a marriage with less relations. Whereas her, uh, it's, it may bother her, but it's not as much a push. They, they, to, to the women, it's not as big of a deal. That's answer number one. Dabracher, another uh, explanation. Zu Yitzru A man, uh, when he needs to have relations, you could see it on his body. It sticks out. His Yitzahara is on the outside. Rashi, Kishoi Nikr Umizgana. When he's erect more, people notice it and it's, uh, it's disgusting. It's, it's embarrassing. embarrassing. It gets embarrassed. Whereas if a woman has that desire, Zu Yitzrifnim, and nobody would know it. It's, uh, and therefore, it's not as embarrassing. And so, therefore, the, uh, the, there is a difference here in the penalty amounts. Okay, fine. Moving along, new Mishnah. What happens if the husband doesn't pay the wife directly, uh, but he would rather have somebody else deal with it? You could argue that's a smart way to go. There'll never be fights about money. You, in other words, what he does is uh, he, he hires a person to handle the wife's expense account. And he gives the money, and uh, that's it. He's not going to ever have to have fights with her about money. So, so how much money is he required to give? So he's got to give at least two cob of wheat and four cob of barley. Barley's cheaper. That's more the animal. Now, they were in a barter society, so you gave them... Uh, the, the assumption was not that they would eat that amount, but he, can, he was a farmer. He could pay the wife in wheat every, uh, uh, you know, every month or whatever, and she would use that to meet her needs. Um, uh, he said they only gave barley He said that was in the people that lived next to Edom where barley was an important crop. That's where they would give barley. But it wasn't typically given in other areas, in other, other uh, marriage settlements, because not every farmer raised barley, uh, um, but uh, the, the Rebbe Shmuel, who lived next to Edom, so that's where they were, barley was one of the currencies. And in addition to the wheat, you, they would give a half cup of barley, a little bit of oil, a little bit of dried figs, or a mana of figs, uh, what happens if you don't have all these crops? So pasuk l'masim peris malchamacher. You can give a little more of one and a little less of the other, but these are the regular division. Nosin lamita, and you have to give her a bed. Um, so let's just pause for a second. The Mishnah actually it never says that the husband has to live in the same house as the wife. He has to give her intimacy, but uh, he could. Uh, let's say he's. In those days, often people traveled on business for months at a time, or they were away a lot. Uh, so what is the minimum he has to provide for the wife? So we're saying he's got to give her a bed and a mat. That's a couch. He's got to give her a nice shetel, or a kippah, literally uh, some kind of head covering. And she gets a good belt. And she gets shoes. Every yantaf. Got to give her a new pair of shoes. They wear out. And you got to give her 50 zoos worth of kalim every, every year. She gets a new clothing allowance. Yes. It, it, this, is, this 
has nothing to do with Kasuba, right? This is just Stam just providing for his wife. The Ksuva insists that he provide, and this is giving practical uh, minimum amounts. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. 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 Wait a minute. Is this, is this the lump sum, or is this something that it, we just said a couple of things that were, like, shoes were renewed from year to year? How about the rest of the stuff? Is that also renewed from year to year? Or yeah, yeah, I believe so. Just... Irregularly. In other words, these are regular supports that are given. But again, especially, we're going to see when he's home, she could ask him for things. And uh, he's, he's paying the bills. But we're talking about where he's not living with her, and uh, he's instructed the bank to give her certain things. And uh, so we're talking about the minimum requirements that's reasonable for her to ask for. So, Vain Nostenlo. Is the time period the same Mimayad uh, It doesn't sound like It sounds like those are more regular. Um, how, you know, it's how often they gave the kav of wheat. I don't know. We'll have to see what the time periods are. It sounds like specifically the shoes you get from holiday to holiday, the new shoes uh, every holiday. But uh, Oh, yeah. He says that it was per week. The food was per week, whereas the shoes were per holiday. Um, now... Does Mayad literally mean like until the next Mayad or until the Mayad a year from then? In other words, from Sukkot to Sukkot. Or does it mean from Pesach to Shavuot? That's only 50 days. Right. So, Rebbe, uh, hmm. Rashi, uh, it's by the second wide line. Okay. Let's, let's see. Rashi, second wide line. Um, second wide line? But, but yeah, Rashi right next oh, to the second wide line. Oh, the second. Well, that's something else. That, that's, that's a fund. That's, that's a certain amount. So I, I would just say um, Rashi and um, uh, different ones were given at different times. I'm not sure about the Moed, whether I hear your question. Moed just means a certain time period. Did it mean literally the Yantaf or did it mean a certain time? That I'm not sure. Okay. The Aid Nostin Lo. Now, when he gives her clothing, he shouldn't give her heavy clothes in the summertime. Look, brand new clothes in the summer would be too hot. And uh, we mentioned that they didn't have to buy summer-winter clothes. They bought them, they would buy them in the wintertime, give them to them when we were heavy and so it was warm, and then they would wear out, and by the summertime they were nice and cool. They, they did things in very logical ways, like they had it all figured out. They didn't have, I mean, again, we have to have two wardrobes, and we got to have space to store them, and so they had it all figured out. Below, Shekachim, not worn out ones in the rainy season. You give her 50 zoos worth of kalim in the rainy season. And then when they start to wear out, she can wear the worn out ones in the summer. And when they turn into rags, she can keep the rags. She doesn't have to give the rags back for him to get the... Uh, there was a value to them, but uh, she can keep them. Next, he gives her a ma kesef of money, Rashi says, for spending money. This is for small stuff. There, he's obligated. There's, let's do that. Rashi, nosen lo ma. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, there is the Rashi. Amoi lemoid, he says, bishloshes regolim on each of the festivals. Uh, oh, there, there was a Rashi on there. I was, uh, That's the doctor for shoes. Yeah, for the shoes. That, that's what Dr. Yaffe was asking about. I, it, it's always like that. When you look for one Rashi, you find the other one. Um, but let's do that. Uh, the uh, Rashi Bama Kesef, it's by the second wide line. The Kol Shab is the Dvorim Ketanim. 
That's for small stuff. She's entitled to have a little bit of cash. Uh, what do they call that small cash? Or uh, spending pocket money. money. Pocket money. She's allowed to have pocket money. Okay, back to the Gemara. Petty, petty cash. Petty cash, yeah, thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Okay. So, no imo. Now, at a minimum, he has to eat with her every Shabbos. Melau Shabbos, Lau Shabbos. We'll have to see in the Gemara uh, is that she eats with him because that's when she's going to be intimate with him. And it's not fair, it's not fair for him to just come at, come and knock at the door and have relations. He's got to eat with her first. <laughs> That's what we'll see in the Gemara. The Imena Nosalomakesa If he doesn't give her the spending money, then she gets to keep her own wages. Umay Osolo, what is the amount that she's required to do for him or for the household? Mishko Kamishloim, it's uh, the weight of five cellars of woven material. Uh, depending on the measure in the Galilee. Or Mishko or the ten sloim, or Now, if the what happens if she's nursing? she obviously can't work so much. She's got to feed the baby. and he's got to give her more a bigger food allowance. This is only a minimum for somebody who's poor and can't afford to give his wife so much. But if he's a rich guy, he's a wealthy guy, and she's a wealthy wife, he's got to give according to their station. It could be higher. In other words, this Mishnah is setting the minimums. Okay, let's see the Gemara. So money must decent. Who is our Mishnah following? Uh, it doesn't seem to follow the two opinions. The question here is on the food allowance. How much food allowance? How many meals is she being given? What's her meal plan? This is a weekly meal plan that he gives her enough to cover the meals. Um, so those days, they only ate two meals a day. That was the common way. It was two. Could be we also only eat two. Maybe the third one isn't called a meal. You know, is is a snack. But they had two big meals a day. So he's got to give her enough for two big meals a day. He says um, it's, uh, it's, it's a weekday measure. He doesn't have to give her uh, the extra food for Shabbos. What was the reason? Um, yeah, let's see, Rashi, Ms. Coven, um The question was, was Shabbos a different amount of food than the weekday? So this view is that this is the, the weekday measure. Rabbi Huda Amar Shabbos will hold. No, it's the Shabbos measure. Each one was trying to be more lenient. Let's see the Rashi. He used to use, eat more bread on Shabbos during the week. He, on Shabbos, he, he was a time of relux, luxury, so you get to eat more bread. And he used to eat bread with all... There were more uh, courses in the meal. He filled up on the other stuff. So the question is, on Shabbos, do you need more bread than during the week? Do you say, well, in general, everything is more, and therefore you have more courses, so you need more bread, because they used to use the bread as the silverware. In other words, you use the bread to you know, pick up the dip. As the, so you gotta, if you have more courses, you need extra pieces of bread for each you know, each thing. Or do you say the opposite? Right. On Shabbos, where you're eating so many other courses, you're going to eat less bread. 
So I guess it depends on what, how you use the bread. I've seen both styles. There are some people that are very into bread, and there are other people that are not so much into bread. Do you remember? Rabbi Stein? Yes. In, in other places, we see that the Gemara understands that the regular, regular day has two meals a day, but Shabbos, you have Shalashur. So yeah, we're going to get there. We're going we're, we're gonna to get there about Shabbos. Okay. okay. This is one of those Gemaras where you have to do the currency exchange. Uh, uh, but I, as you know, I usually punt on that, look in the art scroll or whoever goes into the uh, how you divide it. Uh, now, in this food measure, uh, so he mentions there's a different discussion uh, the amount of bread, uh, the amount of time, if a person walks into a condemned house where things become tame, it uses a measure of food. Half of that is for the condemned house. And a half of that, la pasta would uh, make the body impure if you walked into a house where there was a dead body. And a quarter of that, the kabotumas ochlin. The measure of food, there are certain halachas that go by the measure of food, and so those are in the laws of impurity. So he's, he's saying... That you start off with the one measure, you take half of that for the uh, the condemned house, and you take a, a, a quarter of that for the amount of time it takes food to become tummy. So that that's just a side issue. But now the Gemara wants to know how do we come up with this amount for the meals? Is it Rav Yochan Broka? It should be eighteen. And if it's like Rishimin Timnisari Havi, it should be um, it's it's eight or eighteen. How do we get this? Uh, um, the Mishnah said, um, what was the amount of uh, two kabin chitim, arba kabin sorin? So uh, when we said in the Mishnah, so. Uh, how did we get, uh, it should be either 8 or 18, how did we get uh, the amount that we had? Um, the, the amount of food for the meals doesn't seem to fit either of these two opinions. It's only 8, and if it's like a shimon, it's 18. So Morris says, you could say, Really, what you've got to do is, when you pay somebody for food, you have to assume that uh, they're not on, if you're on a farm and you give an amount of food, that's one thing. But if you're telling somebody to purchase it at the grocery store, well, guess what? The grocery store needs to make a living. And in those days, uh, the living was a third. They charged an extra third. So you got to add in the third for the storekeeper. Hachanami, Isitilsa, you add a third, shot it aloud, and that's how you get the magic amount. So the more said, Akate, Tarti, sorry, Havi. So uh, we're still, that's only 12. We're still missing. So the Lemur answers, He provided the food on Friday night. So if you learn that he was required to eat with her every Shabbos, so that makes sense that we didn't include the Shabbos meals. There's another view that when it says he, he ate with her, that doesn't mean he ate. That meant he had relations. So according to that view, she's coming out short on the meals. Would it be tw- that would be 12. He says, you're not giving the storekeeper enough. You have to, uh, he charges half. So the Morris said, yeah, but how does your chista work out? 
So the Morris says it's a contradiction. What about the energy bill? What about the electric bill? Doesn't she need to cook the food? So do you need to give the straw or not? So Morris says, well, if you add in that, if you deal with half, then it's 16. So the Morris says, that's like if, if we said uh, 12 and you add in four for Shabbos, that's how you get 16. Yeah, but you didn't add that uh, everybody needs to feed the poor. The poor are going to come begging and you want to hand out something. So Morris says, now that you're adding in for the poor, according to him, you could take away three for the Orchioporchis. He takes away two. So again, the problem was, uh, we mentioned the amount you give the wife, and we had two other opinions about how much you give the wife, and it didn't seem to fit in with either of those two. So we had to do some fancy footwork to get to work it out. So we said, first of all, maybe you left off the Shabbos meals. And then we said, uh, and you could work it out depending on, do you need, uh, it's interesting that there's a view that there's four meals on Shabbos, by the way, that's, uh, that's a lot. Um, or uh, there, we also said that there is a view that you have to include the money uh, for the wife to give charity, to give to the poor, and that could be a little bit more. Okay, one final piece. Omar Avasi, we said that barley was only in Adam. He says that they don't eat cholin anywhere else. Uh, cholin is uh, usually barley you put in the cholin. And we just said the Gemara, well, in Adam, they used to give the women barley because that was common for them to farm barley. But in other parts of the country, they didn't usually have barley. So the Gemara is asking, what do you mean? That they didn't eat barley, they didn't have chalun anywhere else. The Gemara says, how can come? They only gave double the barley to the wheat. Really, everywhere the wife is entitled to her weekly barley allotment. But in Edom, they doubled the amount. Because the barley there was a poor quality. So you had to give a bigger amount. We're going to stop right here. Uh, and uh, the question is going to be, we didn't mention wine. You didn't give the wife the uh, wine. Why wasn't that included? Are you allowed? Is the, are women supposed to drink? We'll have to find out tomorrow. Okay, have a great day.